0: I'm Yasi Salik and I'm the host of Bandsplain, a show where we explain cult bands and iconic artists by going deep into their histories and discographies. We're back with a brand new season at our brand new home, the Ringer Podcast Network, tackling a whole new batch of artists, from grunge gods to power pop pioneers to new metal legends and many, many more. Listen to new episodes every Thursday, only on Spotify
2: Welcome into the Ringerverse. This is, of course, the Ringers Nexus Podcast Feed for all things fandom. We are Steve, the architect, of Alvin, the builder of all things. Fit. We are Jeremy, the explainer, a dinner on. You got questions? He's got answers. We are Old Man Van, he of the receding, resurgent hairline. We are. Code Baby Chuck, the 24-karat closer, a.k.a. the Brunch Hottie. Together, we are known as uh, the Midnight Boys. Now, before we get to programming reminders, Steve wanted me to say something to you guys. Before the podcast, Steve said, hey, Van, you know, there's a lot of new people coming to the feed. And you need to make sure that they know exactly what it is that we do here on the Midnight boys. The boys. You were trying boys. to be a gatekeeper about that shit. What does that mean, gatekeeper?
3: You were trying to gatekeep. There's there's new friends who are listening to the pod now that it's Game of Thrones season. And you were just like, nah, they ain't welcome to the party. And the rest of the Midnight Boys are like, no, never open the that. gates. More I the never merrier. said that. I never Jomie, said
1: that. Jomie, wasn't he being
3: no. a little bit of a gatekeeper?
1: I mean, he didn't, he didn't say that, but he definitely scoffed he at scoffed. Steve's suggestion.
2: So this is why I, I scoffed. <laughs> It's not about being a gatekeeper. Obviously, we want as many people to listen to the podcast as possible so we can get the All right, but the reason why I, like, I, I scoffed is because, hey, man, we the boys. There's a permanent welcome sign on the outside of this digital house. Come as you are. Come on in. We react Take off to your shoes. This is a take black household. Take off your shoes. The, yeah, take off your shoes. All right, don't track no outside in my house because black people, We just we don't <laughs> like outside. Don't track no outside. If you come in smelling like outside, you got to take a shower. You know? <laughs> you're shoes off at the door, though, kind of guy, right? Shoes off at the... Uh, yeah, I am. Okay. But I also let Bozeman... I do some unblack thing. I don't let Bozeman jump in the bed. Bozeman jumps in the bed every single day.
0: <laughs> well, you're so a pushover
2: like, for Bozeman, so... I love my dog. So anyway, uh, but it's it, it, at the end of the day, it's a good idea. Um, if you have never listened to Midnight Boys before, we are fun, we are raucous, and we love this content. So we're going to be doing an instant reaction today uh, to a show we're going to talk about a little bit later because we got to get to the programming reminders first, okay? Thursday, Mid-Edition returns. Mid-Edition, if you guys didn't know, that's Jomi and Steve. All right, they're together. The two guys yes. right here, so I can explain to you guys how it goes, the two guys right here that are producers on this show, but they are also talent on this show. They also have another podcast called Mid-Edition, okay? And this Thursday, they're going to break down an episode of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. And it's going to be a big one, right? Because we expect Daredevil in this episode? Uh, those are those are the projections. Allegedly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alleged, allegedly. Charles, you fired up for She-Hulk? All right, don't
3: don't don't ask questions <laughs>
2: you don't want the answers to. Let's get back to programming <laughs> 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 <to> reminders. <programming. laughs> uh, Friday, the House of R. That's uh, Jonah Robinson and Mallory Rubin. That's a different podcast here on the feed. In case you our guys better were smarter halves, our better, our better halves. Are uh, we'll be diving into the fifth episode of Rings of Power, which I still haven't seen. Haven't watched one second of it. Okay, Close not minded. one second of Rings of Power. Haven't seen it. Sorry. <laughs> this Sunday, Talk to Thrones is back again as Chris Ryan, Mal, and Joe give you their instant reactions to House of the Dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right after the episode is done. That I am loving. The last episode of House of the Dragon was the messiest stuff I've ever seen. A lot of departures from Fire and Blood, but uh, the messiest stuff I've ever seen. Just a bunch of mess. lot
3: of snitching. A lot of snitching
2: snitching going on. Woo! Snitching, telling, jealousy, the whole thing. Have you ever had a Sir Kristen Cole in your life, man?
0: Yeah, hell yeah. Good. That that probably means that you are not the (laughs) Kristen Cole in your own life. If you said no, then you are the Kristen Cole.
2: Yeah, I've had a certain fishing <laughs> call. I can remember his name. This guy they, I called him Scooter Boy. <laughs> scooter Boy. Right. Oh no. All right. <laughs> in in college, he used to ride around on a scooter try to get at my really, Scooter Boy. Although we moving on Scooter Boy. I hope I don't know where you at right now, but you know who you are. If you hear this Scooter Boy, I'm still on your ass. Oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jesus. On today's show, we're giving our reactions and thoughts to the big season premiere of Andor. The moment is finally here. Uh, we're going to begin with our inaugural Andor spoiler warning. Here's the deal. This is an instant reaction show. However, because of the temperament of the internet, we feel compelled to let you know that we might spoil some things. Even though we are talking about the show, you're here to listen to us talk about it. It's crazy. Everything from all of Star Wars and the first three episodes of Andor is on the table for discussion. So, if you happen to be listening to this and you don't know that Anakin Skywalker turns into Darth Vader and is the father of Luke, <laughs> that might be spoiled on this show. Steve, run a spoiler warning, please. We're getting ready to talk about
1: Cassian Andor.
2: You're listening to a Reaction Podcast. The spoilers are coming. Enough of my voice. It's time to turn it over to Charles Holmes, who's going to give us the midnight manifest, talking about all the things you need to know about the first three episodes of Andor. going to be long. I might go get a snack. All right. <laughs>
3: All right, this is the midnight manifest for the first three episodes of Andor. Andor is a two-season show, separated into twelve episodes each, which operates as a prequel to 2016's Rogue One. The 24 episodes are separated into chunks that deal with various stages in the life of Cassian Andor and the rebellion. The show is created by Gilroy, who was brought on Rogue One to creatively overhaul the film when it was in creative trouble. If you want to learn more about Gilroy's thoughts on the show, I can't recommend the watch interview with him enough. It's right up on the watch right now, so make sure you listen to that and. The the first three episodes are written by Gilroy and directed by Toby Haynes. So we begin. Cassian arrives at a brothel on Marana One looking for a sister from Canary. Two sentry guards from Marana Corporate give Cassian trouble. They try to rob him after he leaves the brothel, but after the robbery is botched, one dies in the scuffle, and Cassian kills the other before fleeing the planet. Cassian goes back to Ferrix, his home, where he sleeps off the night and has a dream about his childhood on the planet Kanari, where he and his friends witness a ship crash. Cassian is awoken by his droid, B2Emo, and asks the homie to say he ain't seen him, and he makes up an alibi for himself and tells his other homie, Brasso, in case anyone comes looking for him. Cassian goes to his friend, Bix, and asks her to contact her buyer because he's trying to unload a very rare, untraceable NS9 Starpath unit he stole from the Empire. Bix calls her supplier for Cassian, and then Bix's coworker and intercourse buddy, Tim Carlo, is suspicious of Cassian Bix's relationship, and after following the two, misreads the situation, and with all his big hater energy, calls Primor Authority after seeing a bulletin looking for a canary resident for questioning. At home, Cassian gets into it with his adoptive mother, Marva, who has seen the bulletin and wants to know who else knows he's from Kanari. In our B-plot, Marlana 1, Cyril Karn, the deputy inspector of Primor Authority, is devastated when his superior, Chief Hind, tells him not to worry about the death of two security guards because A, they were terrible at their job and shitty people, and B, because the Empire only wants to hear that the crime rates have fallen, which makes their company look better. Cyril starts digging into the case while Hein is gone and Sergeant Linus Mosk hypes him up that he's doing the right thing. Cyril gives a pep talk to the troops going to hunt down Cassian. And this is where you realize how out of depth Cyril actually is. Now we have some flashbacks running through the three episodes. On Kanari. a child Cassian sees how his home has been turned into a mining planet. Alongside a group of children, Cassian goes to the ruins of a ship where they find wreckage and dead inhabitants from the crash landing. The leader of the group is shot by the last surviving member of the ship and the children kill her murderer. Young Cassian has a tantrum in the ruins of the Republic ship as he grieves his friend, two smugglers, Marvin and Clem, arrive on Kanari to steal from the ship. When they see Cassian having this tantrum, Marva kidnaps him because she's like, yo, the Republic is going to come here. They are going to kill him for what him and his friends did to that Republic officer. Then all of these plot lines start to converge in the third episode, where the Corpos arrive on Kanari and begin to hunt down Cassian. Luthien, a member of the Rebel Alliance, meets Cassian in a warehouse and realizes that he has what it takes to be a great asset to the cause. Then Cassian and Luthien outmaneuver the Corpos, but in the process tim dies at the hands of the security force called to capture cassian in a grief stricken fix cries over her corpse while in a flashback young cassian wakes up in the ship with clem and marva sees the sun and embarks on this new life that has been our first midnight manifest for this season of andar sorry it was kind of long but uh this was three episodes of tv really good tv back to you
2: then Thank you, Charles. That was a somewhat competent midnight manifest I appreciate <laughs> doing it. Let me tell you guys something it, it, it uh a midnight manifest for three episodes, man that was a All right, there's midnight. a lot of names there's a lot of names that I kept looking up. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Name? <laughs> it's true. I'll be honest with you it 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 damn it, I already said it. I'm trying to stop saying I'll be honest with you guys. <laughs> anyway, let's get into that. and there uh, okay, three episode premiere we're gonna be focused on what we feel right now. Okay. Start with you, Chuck. Start All with right. you. This is what people have been waiting for that watch, watch and listen to this podcast. Charles, what is your instant reaction to Andor? They call me Coke Baby Chuck. And for, for
3: months, honestly, years at this point, the product's been stepped on. It ain't been giving me the same feeling, it ain't been giving me the same vibe. But boy, the God, Gilroy. That product was sweet. It hit my nostrils. I'm tingling right now. Okay? This is what I want. This is the shit that I, like, that I've been praying for. Andor is quite possibly one of the best shows I've seen on Disney+. And one of the best shows of the year so far for the three episodes I've seen. I've been waiting for a show where, if it's going to be based on IP, I want to see something that is this beautiful to look at. Is this considered? The characters, you can tell they have an interiority to them. They've, have, they've been thought of. They have a life that they were living before we got to see them. You can tell every single part of this TV show has been just so intricately thought of. I thought Andor, honestly, just blew past my expectations, really. Because I think for the things that I've been complaining about for so long is that like just because it's Marvel, just because it's Star Wars, just because it's DC doesn't mean it has to be lesser. Just because it's a TV show doesn't mean it has to be lesser. And hey, not every show can have Tony Gilroy writing it and overseeing it. But I do think that we saw with this that like, yo, you can make a TV show on this scale that really gives us the promise of when we go to the movies and we see a Star Wars movie, we want to be transported. And I was just, we're going to talk about it throughout this episode, but this really just gave me that magic that I've been waiting for in a show. I can't, like, say enough about it.
2: Hmm. Uh, Look, I think we were all together at Star Wars Celebration when the trailer of the show dropped. And there was an audible, like, moan from the (laughs) audience. A very sexy (laughs) moan. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like we're looking at what we're seeing from Andor, and we all went, ooh. Because you could tell there was a there was a palpable, there's a thickness to the uh the images that we saw on the screen. A voluptuousness. Uh, yeah, there was a there was a <laughs> there was a moistness there, I say. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right,
1: all
2: right, come on. <laughs> come on. Uh, but no, the the show was able to take on um just even just aesthetically, right? Uh, because we didn't get very much plot. We got almost no plot. We didn't know the backdrop. We didn't know what the setup was going to be. We knew that we were going to ex- explore the uh, the beginnings of Cassian Andor, but we didn't know, especially, uh, is, is specifically, shall I say, what that jumping off point was going to be. It just felt important. It felt important. It's like when you're watching a movie like The Bourne Identity or other of those movies, there has to be this kinetic energy that's in the air. You're not just moving from set piece to set piece. This happens, Lucas Swipe. This happens, Lucas Swipe. This happens, Lucas wipe right? Um, like, the the show has managed, managed to keep this energy moving forward. This sense of danger, this sense of doom, uh, This the, the stakes seem high for every single character, which is impossible to do. It's impossible to make a show where Everyone seems like the stakes are high for them. Somebody's just got to be along for the ride and In the first three episodes, there's very few people that don't seem like they're driven by some very specific trauma or some very specific motivation to do whatever it is that they're going to do and we don't really even know yet. All of this set in the Star Wars world. The vastness of the world is um uh, is is well conveyed. The wonder of the world is well conveyed. Um, And just the hopelessness of how some people feel. They're scrapping. They're scrappers um, in this. I thought it was absolutely excellent. Just, I don't have enough words to tell you uh, how great I thought Andor was. Mint Boys. I keep
0: thinking about... I love this, first of all. I I think this is absolutely like... It's the thing that I've been waiting for. It's the thing that I've wanted Star Wars to be for so very long. I keep thinking about how... Like, almost nothing that... Nothing Star Wars about this show has anything to do with it being a good show. The show starts off with a guy murdering two corporate cops in a shake-up gone wrong, and he's got to figure out how to get out of this situation. Anything that happens after that just so happens to be wearing a Star Wars jacket. It's lo- it looks like the things that we've kind of been familiar with, but everything else about this show is kind of, for the better, not to dunk on anything that we've seen prior, is an antithesis to what we've seen in Star Wars before. Nothing looks like this. It isn't shot like this. People don't talk like this. I could probably count on one hand the amount of times that I've seen an alien species in these first three episodes. It's all very grounded and human and intimate. Like, you you talked about high stakes, Van. I think that these stakes are very intimate stakes. Like, there's always, like, a small thing that every single person that you see, like, you see what they come home to after work. You see what they have to deal with when they fight with their uh, girlfriend or lover. uh, Like, those things set in a Star Wars universe absolutely enthralls me. And I can't, like, possibly gush enough about how great this show is. Jomi, what do you
1: think? I mean, heading in, the gas was was nuts. Everyone was talking high praise and... I didn't know. I was like, I mean, I, I I hear it, but can this really? Will this really live up to what everybody's talking about? I mean, be honest. It restored the feeling. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. It was cinema. Let's let's be honest. You know, to, like Steve said, you you get in there, and you're already locked in. The move. The the show starts the same way we met Cassian in Rogue One. He's putting bullets in people, right? off the rip to get away and not snitching right and you're immediately just tapped in and there's such a groundness and a realness to the series where I was I haven't been locked in from the jump it's like this soon I, I can't in such a long time like I can't remember it was that good that soon and honestly man like I don't I don't know man we we would talk, like again. The guests have been crazy around the show. I I can't wait to see to see more. I just I can't wait to see more, man. This is excellent television through three episodes. Like all, that's all you can really say about it. This is excellent television so far. I've never seen the Midnight Boys like this. This is beautiful.
3: This is monumental. No, this no, is no, 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 that's
2: not true. That's not true. We've been like this before. It's you. Oh, <laughs> just talk to yourself. Oh, wait a hey, second. hey, hold what? on, hey, hold on. Here's the thing. Wait, here's, wait, thing. Wait, wait, wait. here's the thing, no, though.
3: No, 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 ain't no, don't thing. Ain't no thing. Don't come at my taste level. Don't come at my I'm taste level. You're coming at my taste level. i am I coming at your taste
2: level? I'm not coming, you're coming at your at my taste, taste level. level. I'm not coming at your taste level. What you just said was, I've never seen the Midnight Boys like this. Charles, you're in pain right now. I'm having not to in to be games. so effusive. I know that you are. I've been on cloud fucking nine since I saw them screeners. Charles, Don't do that to me. Charles. There's something Don't broken inside me. of you that wants to come <laughs> on here. And like, no, no, you, you want to know what? Pain. You want to know what mended it? The
3: God Gilroy.
2: He <laughs> mended my broken heart. Come on, let bro, me tell you on. something. That, let me tell you something that I like about Cassian Andor, right? Because Star Wars has this really uh, quaint relationship with their flawed characters. Let's take the original flawed character of Star Wars. Who was the first flawed hero that Star Wars ever gave us? Han. Han Solo, right? right? Okay. So, we, besides shooting greedo, right, we heard kind of like about what a scoundrel Han is. I've said this before, but Han does the right thing at every turn. Han never does the wrong thing. Right? We've seen he's he 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 flirts with it, but when you need Han solo, that handsome son of a bitch is gonna be right there flying the Falcon to your rescue, right? You know, no no matter what. Um, and the things that he that, that he did do, they're, they're not of like. I don't think anyone questions the morality of shooting someone that's trying to capture you and bring you to to to, to Jabba the Hut. You know, I think seeing what a broken person Cassian Andor is, and he's not, he's really broken. Like he's not the great. The way, <laughs> it, like he's really broken. The things that he had to witness as a child. Like, how he got to, to to where he was in life. The the station of his life when we see him, he is really, really just thugging it out. And then he's on the run from the police. The police, by the way, which are the same everywhere. Yeah, Like, these guys are police. are the, the mall po- cops, really, for the Empire. The guy, the, everywhere, right? And so seeing the beginnings of this character who's going to take his life and make it into something heroic in this shithole of a galaxy... It's, I just think they couldn't have done a better job. Like, to me, they, they couldn't have done a better job. Going off what you said, though, I think Star Wars
3: has had this issue for a while now where those first original movies were introduced to Han and were told all these stories, or someone like Boba Fett. You're told all these stories where you're like, this is a badass, this is a broken person. And I think because Star Wars has to appeal to so many demographics, adults and kids all over the world, you know, Boba Fett, over the years, as like different canons get like delegitimized, all these things, Boba Fett becomes a little less badass. He becomes a little less of a like of a villain and becomes more of like a a cuddly anti-hero. Like that's just what has to happen because you want to sell toys to kids. Andor, to your point, when we think about everything that people are saying about him. This is like peak spy shit where it's like he has the same weakness as Bond. What is Cassian's weakness? Everybody's like, yo, you're loose. You're running around with women. This is going to be the fucking death of you. Like, is somebody hunting you down? We know that this is someone who's so talented at what he does, but he does have a weakness. When everybody was talking about how much like he loves to run around with women. I'm like, oh, no wonder he was giving the eyes to or so in Rogue One. No, no wonder he was like, nah, I can't pull the trigger. Like, i like, and you see it happen. It's genius. When he's on Kanari, you see the girl that he has a crush on that he follows. And you see her get murdered. And you're like, oh, this is kind of like the first, this is the loss of his innocence. This is how everything starts. This is why he tells Bix that he's from Kanari. This is why he has such a like soft spot for all of these women in his life. I'm like, they do that in three episodes,
2: and it teaches Absol- you. Bro. It teaches you so much about Rogue One, but it teaches you so much about who he is. Absolutely, all he does, he's he suffered so much loss. You wonder how a person like that feels whole. Like what makes them feel whole? What gives them purpose? What gives them drive? What gives them motivation? I'm telling you, the scene between him and, and Stellan Skarsgård. What's what's his character's name again? Uh, Luthen. 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 Luther Thunderlager, um <laughs> the 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 uh the scene between him you can see I love situations like that in every movie there's always a handler or a bigwig that recognizes your talent and yeah. sees your potential as a weapon he's looking at him and he's saying you know what this guy is so fucking ill if i can just give him something to believe in if i can just give him something to believe in we got a hoss on our hands. And that scene is so amazing. It's like, forget about the box. I'll give you a thousand if you tell me how you got it. Because I want to know you, if you're as good as, you think I, as I think you are. And if you are, boy, do I have a mission for you. Boy, do I have a lifestyle for you. Boy, do I have a goal and a responsibility for you. And they were able to take us on that little mini arc in three episodes. Come on, man. They cooking. They cooking, Jomi. When Cassian says,
3: you just walk in like you belong to steal from the empire, what do you need? A uniform, some dirty hands, and an imperial t- toolkit. They're so proud of themselves. They don't even care. They're so fat and satisfied. They can't imagine it that someone like me could get inside their house, walk their floors, spit in their food, take their gear. I was floored. Like, not only is that some of the best writing, I've, Ever heard in, in Star Wars, we never get to see this layer. We're always, you all, they always talk about the rebels. They always talk about what the Empire is doing to, this pe- to these people. But you never get to hear how they feel about this, what it feels to be subjugated, and for an imposing force to act like you're nothing. And what that line does to me is like, think about it. What's one of the biggest tropes that you see in Star Wars? They dress up like some stormtroopers. They sneak in. They get into some shenanigans. And you're always like, how does the Empire keep letting these people sneak in? And with one line, you realize they're like, oh, because they're like fat lazy. And they think nothing. They absolutely think nothing of these people. They don't think that they will ever be toppled. And I think like they do that in the course of three episodes. They teach you
2: so much. Uh, Let's play Spot the Star Wars. (laughs) In the first... Three episodes. Did you see the insignia of the Empire? Yes. Yes. Like once. In it's the on the three, box. In yeah. the first three episodes, did you see the Jedi? No. 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 Not even no. a word uttered. Don't even exist. In the first three episodes, did you see any stormtroopers? No. 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 So the, it makes sense that the Jedi wouldn't be around. They got fucked over. Mm-hmm. So it's not a lot of them, but they always find a way to shoehorn one into the story. But. Steve has it here in the document. I think it's a good point. I've asked you this, Steve. Do you think that for some of the diehards of Star Wars lore, that the fact that this seems so removed um, from the familiar things we're used to seeing from Star Wars uh, will be an issue for them? Uh, We know that there are going to be some Star Destroyers in the show. We saw them in the motherfucking yeah, uh,
1: yeah.
0: No, Mm -hmm. like, and and that that remains to be seen for the rest of the show. But I think for these first three episodes, it's also a pretty good. Metaphors to as far as like how far away Cassian is from this fight. Like he he is the farthest thing from not even a Jedi, but like associating with a stormtrooper or being giving a shit about what the Empire has to do. Like he is so divorced from a sort of like political ideology or a sort of like feeling of uh, uh, of of centrality with like a sort of like Rebel Alliance that like. You know, he's off world to where that, like, the stormtroopers aren't even the cops of that system. It is the rent a cops that the Empire outsources for their mid rim planets. By the way,
2: brilliant brilliant. to bring in a new force. That we haven't seen before, because because the
0: empire's new, and it's like okay, well, we're gonna, we're still like trying to get our grips on everybody, so we gotta like pay some a cops for some other systems. Also, I planets. never
3: thought like, there could be someone lame more lame than the stormtroopers, but you see these guys, you're like, oh <laughs> shit, yeah. you
2: literally hey, are the renta cops. By the way, and real dumb, they just killing these motherfuckers, Jomie. Yeah, no, Jomi, just- so many of these guys get murked out. I actually, to be honest with you, I felt kind of bad. I, I felt feel bad. I, I felt bad for them. I felt bad for them. You didn't feel a little bad for them,
1: no, Jomi. Jomi, you didn't feel a little bad for them. A cap. I'm not. I'm not really. I'm not really there for that, bro. It was not sliding away. So, so, it was sliding. So let me
2: ask you. Seriously though. Seriously, Cassie did kill somebody. Right. Two whoa. All right. Whoa. Two people. Two people. <laughs> Again. So, whoa, so whoa, hey, hold
3: on. Let's, whoa. let's be trying very to run clear. His
2: They were literally trying to run
3: his pockets. They started that shit the dude the duke got caught slipping like what like what is he supposed to do in this it's situation they're not it's a, it's supposed an, to be there escal-
0: here's the thing it was an escalating situation like he right. accidentally kills one guy and then the other guys like okay let's stop okay we're going to figure this out uh like he slipped and he fell don't worry and then before he even finishes the story he just kills him kills him so 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 if it was one was an accident two is on purpose yeah.
2: so yeah. the yeah. premier authority the corpos let me just give you a second to give you my small case for the corpos, and then we'll move on to uh, to Cassian and the specific trouble that he's in. But we can, it actually ties in. It's not like the corpos weren't supposed to be after Cassian. He did kill two people. Now he's our hero, sure. but I'm watching all of these guys get killed, and they're doing some fucked up things. Killed a guy in cold blood when they're on the planet. The the uh, they're basically just like the police. Like they you, they say, hey, walk up, walk up, walk up, then they just shoot you,
1: and and whatever. But it's not like the stormtroopers, nah,
2: bro, you can't. Well, I can't well, believe
1: Van, Van really on this podcast defending the police. That's that's I'm wild. I'm defending the police. That's wild. I'm not, I'm
2: not, I'm not defending the police. I, Joe Biden sent you some talking points, bro. bro. Van, where were you Joe on Bide. January
1: sixth, my man? What's going oh, on? Where, 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 you know
2: where I was at, baby. You know Wait, I'm can saying? I also I, say
3: something really quick to to the point about, like...
2: Y'all feel a little bad for them that they're... No! Out, they're, no, no. no, stop asking, I don't! I was, okay, they're out there just actually trying to... Because
3: shouldn't Cassian turn himself in? He did. All right, Van, you are like five seconds for being like, but good
2: apples, right? There's some good apples. No, they're bad. <laughs> but look, 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 I mean, I'm, this, is, this is a bigger conversation. I don't want to see people get killed while they're trying to do their job. You know what I mean? I just thought, I just looked at. out. I was like, they hey. shouldn't
1: have been there.
0: None of them should have been there. Guess what? Joby? Cause that's what the, that's what the boss says. He's like, listen, these guys were in the wrong place. They were in a brothel. They shouldn't have been able to afford drinking <laughs> they sh- shit. They shouldn't have been drinking. They should that. Like they messed right. with the wrong person right. with, they said dark features. They messed with a person with a human with dark features. And then they pissed off the wrong person.
1: Everybody right. could have went home, but detective dipshit had to go and start snitching. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And they, they, all kinds
2: of affairs, but, like, the dudes that just... And I guess they give us some backstory into, like, the guy and why he's so gung-ho and all of that stuff. I'm okay, I'm just saying. So, I, before I, we move go. on, I did want to
3: ask you this, Van. In, like, a meta sense, we're talking about, like, Andor, and there not being that many Star Wars elements, Tony Gilroy has, like, been, has been real, especially when he was filming Rogue One, that he did not give a shit about Star Wars. He does, he does, it's not something that he really just cares about. Uh, Do you think that that's kind of what gives Andor that freshness? Because sometimes I feel like, because the people who create new Star Wars are so enamored with it, sometimes they can't have a 360 view of like, do we need this? Does this serve us? Or is this just the thing I've been wanting to see as a kid for so long? That sometimes I let the other things fall to the wayside, like the writing, or like, what do these characters do when there are not like, samurais with laser swords fucking running around
2: who are the less important people. Yeah, I think that sometimes a frustration with some of the stuff that we get from the universe. And by the way, you know, we're we're saying this a lot. I was one of the people that enjoyed Boba Fett for the most part. I enjoyed Obi-Wan for the most part. I just think that there were highs that we thought that those shows were going to get to and they didn't really get there. Uh, I think that's kind of what we're talking about. And I think when we're watching this show, we feel a connection to it that maybe we didn't feel with some of these other characters, which, um least in the TV iterations of them, which is uh, peculiar because we've been following them for so long. I think we're really judging Andor based on a newer standard, right? A standard... So based it on no standard, right? But when we're we we have expectations for Boba Fett because we've waited so long to see that character get his his own shine. We had expectations for Obi Wan because, uh, you know we we fell in love with the the character twenty some odd years ago, uh, shit fifty some odd years ago. Uh, to your point, yeah, I think that you're right. I think what we've what a lot of people asked for, and why what a lot of people why a lot of people love Rogue One is because they were just saying, just tell your story, just yeah. tell your story, just tell your just just take a good story and then tell your story if you tell your story and it's good I promise you everything else works out and to your point Charles it feels like sometimes they don't have faith in either us or the lore enough to take the chances that you need to keep something this deep fresh so I I would agree with you and I think because Gilroy is a little removed from all of that um, he doesn't care Jomi what do you think?
1: I think Tony Gilroy is doing an excellent job of doing the same thing. Like, you know, not to say that, you know, it's a copy job or anything, but the same thing that like the winter soldier did for the MCU where that film, it's a Marvel film. Like, you know, it has Captain America. It has comic book characters and all that, but it doesn't feel like a superhero movie. It feels like an action spy thriller. It feels like, like something that's completely different from the superhero movies we're used to. And that's what Rogue One, and for very, very much, this series feels like. It's definitely Star Wars. We know the Empire's there. We know that they're building the big giant space laser in the sky somewhere. But especially these first three episodes, it just feels like we're in a different world with the same elements. And that's why this show works so well.
2: We've talked a lot about the world that Cassian's in. We've talked a lot about Cassian. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about him right now. Who do you guys perceive Cassian Andor to be when this show starts? Who is he?
0: In my opinion, he's kind of a fuck-up <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, because, like, it, it not, and taking away the fact that he killed two people, the fact that when he comes back to Ferrix and every single person in his life that he's interacting with is like, what the fuck do you want now? Like, is it money? Like, who am I lying for? Like, you gotta, like, I gotta borrow somebody from something. Like, you need 200 credits now this time? Like, it's clear that he's not been, like, so much burdensome on everybody else, but, like, he's clearly not the one that's pulling his weight in a world where everybody's gotta survive. And his way of surviving is kind of leaning a bit too hard on everyone around him. That's crystal clear when it comes to the, those beginning episodes. And when we come to the end of this third episode, those cracks are starting to show where like, oh, this is what he actually cares about. Or this is what he can care about. And this may be why he's doing the things that he's doing because like, there's so much like shitty oppression that's been happening so that he doesn't really
2: care that whole much about fairness. Right. He's a victim of the Empire without actually being able to put, it, put, put your finger on the fact that he is uh, a victim of the Empire. He's transformed by the world that he's living in. Charles, what do you think?
3: I think the thing that's so genius is that what Gilroy is doing is he's making, he's using a lot of spy tropes. Think about it. Like, Cassian is a man without a country. He's a man without a planet. His planet has been destroyed. His people have been destroyed. He's been taken away. Farrix is not really his home. He has an adoptive... Um, mother, and it seems like his adopted father was strung up in the square by the Empire. That's what it seems like. The other thing that I was also confused about is that, like, while Cassian has no love for the Empire, the reason that Marva um, and Clem take him is because, yo, they just killed a Republic uh, it's. It was the Republic. That, and that, I was like, oh, okay. So yeah. like, not only does he have no love for the Empire, yo, the Republic was not much better. It's not like he's like, let me restore the Republic. Like, cause that's how we usually see a lot of the, the rebels. We're like, yeah, remember the good old days? There were no good old days for him. He was chilling on a planet and it was fine. So you have this child who has no planet anymore, His history has been destroyed. His people have been destroyed. He's not fighting for anything. And that's what I think so much of this show is going to be about. Because when he meets Luthen, to your point then Luthen is like, this is like a piece of coal. And if I shape him, he can be a diamond. But to shape him, I have to give him something to fight for. I need to give him something to believe in. Because if I don't, he's just he's running around causing fucking mayhem and that's what we see in Ferex. it's like if you leave him alone he is going to cause mayhem and that's what I think I loved about these th- first three episodes
1: Jami who was Cassian Andor to you? Cassian Andor to me is you know that dude who every time like you come around like you with your friends and then that dude come around you are like oh bro not this dude bro Ah, like man, he steals just,
2: your chicken fingers and doesn't
1: eat with you, he leaves. <laughs> kind of yeah, something like that. Uh, you know, every like every time, like he goes to the, the shipyard and he's changing the chip ID logs, and the dude's like, "Man, you, you can't come by no more, bro. You're a problem. Every time you <laughs> show up, <laughs> it's something, something to deal with." You know what I mean? The dude stops in the streets, like, "Hey, bro, I need my money." Gets the muscle on him, or the muscle, the dude who just wants to stand there. You know what I'm saying? Even even Brazo. Saw him for the first time. He was like, "Bro, Cassian, bro, what, what, what you need, bro?" Bix is annoyed by seeing him. Don't even get me started on Tim. Tim can't stand that dude, right? Yeah, not Tim. A player hater, bro. Well, oh, well, we'll get to Tim later. We'll, we'll Get to him. <laughs> but everywhere he goes, everybody's like, "Just, dude, I'm not trying to see this dude." You know. So ultimately, him leaving, you know, probably probably best for everybody. But at the same time, like, he was just a guy who nobody's would mess with because he didn't have his stuff in order. Do you guys remember in Phantom Menace when,
2: um, great movie, in Phantom Menace, and you guys remember in Phantom Menace when uh, Padme says, I didn't realize that there was slavery still out here. Um, Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah,
2: Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, she goes, well, yeah, the the Republic doesn't exist out here. We just doing our thing. Mm
1: -hmm. You know
2: what I mean? So that to me tells you that this show could be an indictment not just of the Empire itself, but of a failure of systems to do for people. And in Star Wars, the promise of a new Republic was always the promise uh, to do better, even than the old Republic. When I say the old Republic, I'm not talking about the old, old Republic video game fans. I'm talking about... (laughs) I'm talking about the Republic that we got a chance to get to know during the prequels. You know? And so, it seems like there were a lot of people who weren't you know, in the mid-rim and the outer rim who who weren't really feeling the stability of that either. So we get a chance to get a whole 360 view of the universe right now. now- right, really quick, too, I want to go off what you just said. They they say it in,
3: in um, these episodes. What do Bix and Cassian do? They bribe quartermasters to leave shit from the Empire on these ships that they can strip and then sell to the Rebels. So what that tells you is, is that, the Empire ain't working for everybody. You could be working for the Empire and they ain't paying your bills. So they just literally like, all right, yo, like, hey, just sell these to the Rebels, which I thought was so genius because in Star Wars, you always just think it's black and white. Empire's bad, you know, Rebels good. And in this, you're just like, yo, the Empire, like working for the Empire, like we knew it sucked. But Uh like, dog, you ain't even getting paid for this shit. Yeah, (laughs) That's wrong. Stuff,
2: stuff. Okay, so let's talk about some of the other people in Cassian Andor's world some of the supporting characters in this show. The one I'd risk it all for. Marva? Bix, bro. But Marva could get let's, it, too. Let's,
3: <laughs>
1: okay, let's talk. Right. I'm, let's, okay, we're going to talk about Bix.
2: We're going to try to control ourselves. Okay? We're going we're gonna to talk about Bix. We're going to try to control ourselves. Everybody here knows the vibes. You've seen the show. Okay? Um, so let's just, you guys, we're, we're mature adults, here you should definitely I not saying, be saying this. Man. Say you if this. Anybody should not be saying, saying this shit. <laughs> bro. We're mature adults. We're gonna talk about Bix. Not gonna you know not gonna go crazy. Uh, Bix and Cass, Bix and Cassie's relationship. What's going on there? Oh, they used to be
3: an idol. Like you could you could tell. That's why Timmy. That's why Timmy hates that motherfucker. He's just like, bruh. It's the ex that just keeps coming around. But what I love about Bix is that you can tell their their relationship between Bix and Cassian at this point is that, like, Mm -hmm. Bix is skimming off the top. And, like, she's getting mad at Cassian being like, yo, you had this, like, really, really expensive tech that could change our lives and you're not going to share it with me. And Cassian's like, yeah, don't start with me. Like, I know what you're doing behind my back. And that's what I think is so interesting where it's like Bix has her own interiority where it's like she's trying to survive. She's running game with the Rebels and and the Empire, to make a living. And that's what I like, where it's like a lot of Star Wars um, heroes that happen to be women. Sometimes I'm just like, yo, this character is not a three-dimensional character. And Bix from the get-go, you're like, oh, Bix doesn't need Cassian. Actually, it seems like Cassian is almost like a thorn in her side, uh, which I love. I love the character of Bix.
0: It, It was brilliant because literally the first time we see her, the first thing she says is like, what like (laughs) Uh like he shows up and she's already annoyed like it's it's plain as day on her face and like already like you know they're like okay now i know why they broke up now i know why he's like living in like a shack of a shelled out ship (laughs) the trailer like it's not going great for those two uh like i love and but i love the fact that there's like just enough tolerance to be like, all right, we're f- like, I'm figuring you out. Like if you could just get your shit together, like you can be like a decent thing in my life. And he constantly keeps scraping by for her. And like, she's still constantly annoyed by it. I I really just loved it. I don't want her to exist just to be like annoyed or trod upon by Cassian. But in the events of these later episodes, her trying to actually help him, regardless of like that, initial intent like still brings a lot of trouble
2: for her and him oh by the end of the by the end of the episode i mean i think that's the by end the, the, end the premiere episode, is it, yeah by the end of the third episode when you see all the people they've all been activated they, like that whole shot everybody's been activated every single one of them now the stakes have just gone through the roof they have now uh, now it's real castings on this journey uh Bix has just been assaulted by the authority of of the galaxy. You know, has lost the sun. basically.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, Tim is dead. Bix's boyfriend. He gets shot in episode three. Rest in piss. Let's talk about Tim real quick. Bruh. Okay, so look. You can't you can't okay, so do that. Don't defend so him, bro. If you so defend wait.
3: him, Van like come oh, on, right? I man. love I love hearing yeah, this. Can't,
2: can can we just talk for a second? All right. All right I, okay, listen. I'm I'll I don't listen. I don't wanna, I don't wanna always do the thing where you guys are like, oh very, very, very. can we just talk as brothers with the Midnight Boys? Let's okay. Talk for a second. Okay. Tim is wrong. Okay, he's definitely wrong. He's mm-hmm. looking through his girl's phone. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff is wrong. All of that stuff is wrong. It's all wrong. But Oh
1: my God.
2: <laughs> how many Bixes are in the galaxy. <laughs> if you <laughs> get one...
0: <laughs> I, that, this isn't the angle so, that I thought you'd go. So, so,
2: so, so here's the deal.
1: How Yo, can maybe, you please you know,
2: land the, this plane then? So, just, so you me. think about you think about it. He's in there working in the shop. You know what I mean? He sees what's in the galaxy, right? He sees it, you know? A lot of aliens coming through. Steve, there was a couple aliens in the show. There's some aliens, a lot of aliens coming through. A couple, through. yeah. A couple of dealing with people. And then all of a sudden, one day, you know, big touches your hand and you're like, oh, is she, is this for real? And then boom, here comes Cassian. This is your only shot. It's not going to get no better than this in the whole galaxy. This is all you got. I'm not saying he was right, but I'm saying I know guys who've played themselves for worse ladies. And I know ladies who've played themselves for worse men. I know a lot of them. But like, so, so, <laughs> so I'm saying, you know, he played himself and he got what he deserved, but maybe he felt like, yo, it's Bix. Look at
3: yo, Bix. can we play Y'all Stop the Bix. cap, Steve?
2: Like, but nothing I, you just said. Was n- right. Wait, no,
1: no, Here, here's, what I, here's what I think he's trying to say. I think he's, man, he's trying to say, I don't condone the behavior, but he understands. I, I don't it.
3: understand either. All right, here's my thing, man. <clears> like, I say this, dog, you can't be dating a baddie and then not like have low self esteem bro like yeah. you got to know you got to yeah. know everybody Very in the true. galaxy wants pics like dog like what you, are you of doing you like you got like, like stand the fuck up bro me.
2: like come <laughs> on yeah. we like we see this all uh, we see this all the time there's no we fraction defense all, there's see, no we see, we see this all, listen. Listen. all, can I all time. The, you just
1: wait, hold, like, like, y'all acting like
2: see this is my I problem you watch
1: the episode did you guys watch the episode he's standing at the bar He sees them have their moment instead of him being a man and stepping up and going like being a man now. Hey, Cassian, my brother, I need you to take two steps back. Right? (laughs) He goes and he goes and talk. He goes to the cops. He goes to snitches. You can't do that. It's it's not that's bad behavior,
2: Jomi. You can't. That's bad behavior, Jomi. You can't. But question: If if he would have survived the shot. Would Big still would have been with him? Nah. Hell yeah, you saw you saw how she. She crying. looked like she would have still been with him. Nah, to me. I don't think so. Uh, bro, well, she, she looked like she still would have been mm. with,
1: with him. To me. She was you very upset. Cry. She
3: was crying over that corpse, bro. She was I mean,
1: But think upset. about it. Him blowing up, uh, him blowing up, Cassie's spot could have blown up her spot, right? So at some point you gotta be like, hey man, you can't do that. She was mad at him when she found out he snitched. She was like, hey bro, I need some time. We got, I got. She ran to go get Cassie, bro. When she, when she found out what was all going down.
0: He did it all he, to himself. He did it all to himself.
2: He definitely did it all
1: Th- to there's himself. There's
0: a key interaction in like the very first episode and the first scene that they talk to each other where it's Tim and uh, Cassian where he, he does the right thing where he's like, yeah, she always seems to be pretty upset when you keep coming around. You know, in, in his defense, like he is right. Like, the, like he, he keeps bringing problems with him. And he's like, well, I guess you got to find yourself a less complicated woman. And yeah, Cassie, walks up. Cassie hit
2: him with that shit. And right, you know what I'm
0: and then, and but like that to that point, like that sticks in him so bad that he like it carries him throughout that entire arc to, all the way to his demise. Like that insecurity, like could have been left at it there.
1: Think about who you got to be for one man to tell you one line, and for you to be like, yeah, I I, I hate this man. I'm gonna get him killed. That's hey, look, crazy. I'll be honest
2: with you. That's crazy. Never never, never could be me. But the more <laughs> I looked at Bix throughout the first, I was like. I mean, everybody's lamed out for a chick before. Y'all (sighs) have never lamed out
1: for a chick? No comment. Oh, wait, wait. Can I I ask you a question? No comment. I'm not not incriminating myself. Why are you asking that
3: on the pod, bro? My my lawyers will be in touch. Yo, can I I ask a serious question, though? Do you think this is a case of Bix was fucking around with Cassian and a bunch of ain't shit motherfuckers? And she's just like, yo, Timmy's a square, but that's exactly that's exactly what happened. I'm I'm just settling down. Like I can't be like fucking around with like these broke ass motherfuckers anymore. She, she Sierra,
1: you know, uh, Cassie in his future. Oh, she went up, found her rust. No, she went up, found her rust. We gotta move. (laughs) We didn't turn into the worst type of podcast right now. Shout out to Barstool. Shout out
2: to Big Cat, my people over there. Uh, let's talk about Fiona Shaw Fiona Shaw's character, Marva, who uh loved the character. Love the oh, character. Yeah. You guys know oh, yeah. how much I like uh, you know, white ladies that kidnap Children of color and then raised an oh. I love the
3: boss. <laughs> All
1: right. Yo, no, we were I, uh, supposed to be on our best behavior this episode, okay, bro. I'm sorry. That, on, was man.
0: that was a rescue. That uh, was a rescue. I don't know. Well,
1: and she could she could have left Eve.
3: <laughs> you know, she yeah, could like, hey, he'd be dead. I'm not gonna were, lie. It was funny as hell because Clem is a brother. He's like, Dog, do not kidnap this <laughs> motherfucker. Like keep
2: what this, are you doing keep, like, like keep like this, this kid whole, on this way bro is like, a sentient being you can't just like, like you can't just he doesn't speak the language it's like the blind side you know what I'm saying it's, it's, it's like you know it's a whole like what's happening here
3: you wait it's it's really crazy when she brings out the tranquilizer I'm like dog you can't can't you do that can't she trained trank
2: him can't do that. this little like, kid bro she trained I know first of all it worked out Everything's great. We love Marva. The beginning was rocky. You went on another planet to steal stuff, right? You found a kid, and you were like, I'm going to hit him with a drowse thing and take him back. (sighs) Ah, It's it's tough. But but having said that, she loved that baby. They clearly have a very strong bond. What do we think of Marva?
3: What's heartbreaking is is that you keep learning Small things throughout these episodes, like when, when no one's around, Cassian's friends check on her. They must be going through dire straits because her heat isn't on. Like, it, they're definitely on hard times. And you could tell, like, Cassian's an adult, but he's still staying with her, probably because financially he needs to. But it also seems like something happened in her past, potentially Clem getting killed. That broke her a little bit. And it's kind of fascinating to see how much. Cassie needs Marva, but also Marva really needs Cassie. Very
2: true. How long, just give me, how long do you think it took them? It seems like their bond was pretty immediate, even though I'm making fun. He wakes up on the ship. Uh, it didn't look like his life on his home planet was too awesome. Um, he wakes up on the ship, and it seems as if their bond is pretty strong. Uh, from the get go, you guys uh, like it, this is a clear mother and son situation, right?
3: Mm-hmm. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it, it, but it also seems like there isn't the planet. It's a mining planet, so that planet doesn't seem like it's going to be long for the world in terms of just like it does oh, yeah, get there's destroyed. That,
0: there's that huge shot of like a cavern, like, yeah. yeah, just absolutely excavated from his home planet, and he's like stunned as a child.
2: Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's it's all bad. Let's talk about the, my, one of my favorite droids ever. Favorite name for a
3: droid ever, B2 Emo. My life. B2 tenace. Emo, are you I'm kidding B2 me? Emo. Come on. <laughs> B2 up, bro. Emo, and
2: he is Emo. The droid is Emo. I love this droid. This droid captured my heart.
3: He gets sad. Like he's like he gets ca- sad when Cassian leaves. Like I'm like, dog. He
0: can't lie cuz it takes up too much power. <laughs> oh, Man. the cutest motherfucker
3: ever. And he's then when the so little cute. Th- the little the little alien peas on him, and he like zaps the alien. B
2: two emo so sick, bro. B two emo is the man. B two emo, like I felt like they were. He was scared of them. I was getting emotional, like he was scared of them, and he was gonna confess to where Cassian was because he didn't want to be hurt and he didn't want them to hurt Marvin. Then all of a sudden they hit a calm. I'm like, don't fucking hurt B two emo. You know what? I changed my mind on the cops. Like. <laughs> This is the whitest woman thing you've ever done because
3: the cops be killing motherfuckers in broad daylight and you're like, yo, listen, listen, good apples. The minute a, a cop hurts a dog, no you like,
2: whoa, 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 whoa. The cops are out of fucking air. Uh, uh, you're not wrong about that. Like I, 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 I look at you different if you hurt dogs. <laughs> you're, I'll be honest with you. You're not wrong about that. I wish you were wrong, but you're right. I got a little Bozeman over there, my little puppy. Oh,
3: if anybody different. touches
2: Bozeman... Oh, don't. it's gonna be a problem. That's not no. The corporate security force. Do you feel the the what do you feel about the corporate security force? The the stormtroopers in Star Wars are always made to be just kind of an obstacle to slow our heroes down. These guys seem to be the main force hunting it, hunting them. And in this particular episode, our main antagonist. What do you guys feel about the corporate security force? How are they being portrayed?
3: The corporate force watching these three episodes two times, I think something that beautiful that I kind of thought about thematically is that Gilroy is actually talking about policing. Because we never actually get to see what policing feels like in Star Wars. But with the corporate security force, the first time we see them, the woman at the brothel is just like, yo, they're like, they're glorified, you know, bike cops, but they act like they walk around like they're the shit. And even their, their boss, he knows that they're corrupt. They're not supposed to be at the brothel. They should not have enough money to be drinking what they're drinking. And when they get to Ferrix, you see that these people have this intricate system to warn everybody when the cops are here. And what I thought was so beautiful that Gilroy does in this episode is it's like, what are the corpos fighting for? The Empire doesn't give a shit about them they're not really prospering under the empire. But you see with the sergeant, you see with Cyril, that they want to impress the empire and they believe in the corpo so much that they will sell out an entire planet. They will kill innocent people. They will destroy a town. And at the end of it, they have nothing. They've gained nothing from it. And if that's not the most direct kind of connection to what policing is like in the United States. I don't know what it is because it's like you will do, cops will, are supposed to protect the people. They're supposed to protect the towns and the cities where they are employed. But so often, what are we fighting for in the States? We're like, most of the cops, especially in New York, don't live in the boroughs that they're supposed to protect. The corporals don't live on ferricks. They're not here to protect the people of ferricks. They're here to protect a corporation. And nah, that's what I here. thought was
2: so genius. They're here to protect something else—the same thing that that uh, people here on Earth are very transparent about. What it is that you know they're protecting? And they say it all the time: order, order. law, and property. Order. Yeah. yeah, order. It has nothing to do ne- necessarily with people protecting and serving citizens or what's best for them. Because if it was what's best for them, you wouldn't execute people in front of all those people like the corporals did in the in the in the broad daylight in the middle of the town, right? They're, but they're there for order. You believe in order. The empire demands this, uh, a surrender to order. Every time you hear them talk, you know, even when it was the, the guy that uh, I can't remember, the guy that Zach Braff played in Obi Wan, I can't remember his name. What was his name? Shank?
1: Fink? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah.
2: He goes, nothing wrong with the little order, right? You know, when you hear the emperor talk about power, he talks about order. We can bring, like, we can bring order to this terrible galaxy, all of this order, 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 order the way things should be through one person's lens, one person's view, not the voice of the people, the will of one, the will of a few. Well, like what well, we need to protect is it's clear that uh, Cyril believes in that. He believed in it. He believed in it so deeply that he refused a direct order. He was told not to get your ass involved, but a very, very subtle thing, is done in that scene, and I hope everybody caught it. His commanding officer is looking at him and he yes. asks him something. He's like, Did you have your uniform tailored? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like, did you have your uniform tailored? He's like, Yeah. Huh. Cause they don't a little bit. They don't fit like that. Yeah, never. He's, he's in some baggy shit. Like he's in some baggy shit, right? Because everybody else that puts on that uniform, it's not their entire life. He wants that uniform to fit, not who his job. He wants that uniform to fit his soul. It means something to him. It's a part of him. You know what I mean? So he may he wants it to look as good as possible. He's proud to be doing what he what he's doing. He is a true believer in it and he just didn't have the capacity he didn't have uh the strength to not (laughs) go
1: get who he thought killed those people it just wasn't in him for me like that entire arc like from from the captain talking to him about what he should do versus what he shouldn't do and him going doing anyway just reminded me of the wire like, that first scene with, the, with Cyril and his boss, and his boss is basically like, listen, I'm going to go meet with the bigwigs, right? It's like Burrell and Rawls, like, listen, I got to go up to the bosses and tell them that there's no crime out here, bro. Crime rate At, is down. Crime rate, he, they, like, he's trying to juke the stats, right? And you got, oh boy, Cyril uh, McNulty, I was calling him McNulty, like, the whole time, because he's like, for show. I hear you, Appreciate you. I'm gonna go get these people that committed the crime, and you're just like, no, man, like this is not what you're supposed to do. Da da da. They even have a conversation about overtime, right? Who's gonna be approved for overtime? Oh, it's supposed to be this dude. Da da da. Just, just reminded me of like the later seasons of The Wire in a way that, like, I was like, oh snap, this this lines up pretty good. Like, I was, I was already tapped in. He stinks. Like, he's a bad human being, but at the same time, like, you can see the parallels. You know, what's crazy about Cyril? Cyril blew up the Death Star. <laughs> he did.
2: I mean, yeah. Cyril blew, Cyril, Cyril blew up the Death Star. Like, I, I love shows that really examine how little small things turn into gigantic things. If he doesn't do what he's doing, who knows if Cassian ever finds himself as an ally of the Rebels. Who knows? Maybe he does. Maybe it was inevitable. But who knows how long it takes, what what it does. But All he needed to be was activated. Do your shit. Don't, like, this guy, Cyril, he's a, and I can tell he's only going to get worse. Do you see the look on his face at the end? Because he was kind of a sniveling coward motherfucker, to
1: be honest with you, throughout his the own, His and own that,
2: people, when he's doing the big
3: speech, they looking at him like, bruh,
1: wrap it the fuck up. You were not right, my homie spirit. was running circles around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? He came in there, he was like, sir, and I was like, oh, man, we should be, y'all should be listening to this guy, bruh. Like, he should be in, in
2: charge. My stocky king right there.
1: You know <laughs> um, man.
2: The corporate security force comes to Ferex. all hell breaks loose. We get a shit ton of action in episode three. It feels like that's the beginning of the identity of this show as something that deals in war. Yeah, the tone changes a little bit. Like we've talked about the stakes already, but also, it was like very funny. Kalika comes into the room while I'm watching this and she goes, oh, is this the new show? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah. She goes, that looks just like Rogue One. That's what she's that's what she said. Oh, yeah. She said that she said, she said, it looks just like rogue one. I'm like, yeah, it's the same people and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. I shall know he's from, but it looks just like it. And it felt just like it, that feeling of, 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 of chaos and like, I don't know, like almost like a, a dramatic fuse was burning and you don't know when it's going to blow. God damn it, I looked. ant Wait, Can I also yeah! say
3: something? Like, on a technical level, what I think Gilroy has actually shown that a lot of these other series need to take into consideration, yo, we hear all the time about these TV shows. Yo, it's like a movie. Like, I, I was thinking about this like a movie. And what I think Gilroy actually shows us is that, like, yo, if you get a series, if you get 12 episodes... What he does in this first three is it's like, yo, this is act one, act two, act three of a movie. What I'm going to do, like, I think it was actually genius that they split it up into chunks. Because what they actually are allowed to do is that it looks great because we're not zipping around from planet to planet to planet. He gives us a couple of places. He lets us see Everything about it. The scenes that I love are like when the construction workers are waking up and they have, it's the wall of gloves and they're all taking the gloves, or when you're in the command center of the Corpos and you're seeing everything. I'm like, oh, all of these other shows can take, can kind of take this where it's like you have one director for three episodes and we're just gonna chill on a couple planets with these couple characters and we're gonna make you feel it. And that's what I actually think is genius about this is like, if you think about it, they didn't actually go that many places, but I felt like the world was so rich. I was just like, oh, this world is so expansive. I want to know what every single person, I wanted to know what like the kid with his, like, what the dude with his kid was doing Um, who let Bix go up and like contact the rebellion. I wanted to know what every character was up to. You're bought in, aren't
1: you?
2: Man, like, come
1: on. <laughs> you like, bought in. So I'm, I'm not going to so lie.
2: You.
1: You're bought in. You're bought in. For me, for me, this, like that last part of episode three, I can't even put into words how excited and interested I am for that, like for that bit to come back into the, to the series. That is, I love spy movies I love that whole thing. And that scene where he's got his gun to Cyril's head and he's like, how many people? And Luther's like, I right, kill him, bro. Like, Let us do it now. it's like, oh hold on. <laughs> we got how many people da da da, and then they use the speeder, you know, get some more corporals killed, and then zip off on the little bike thing. I'm like, this right here, this is what this is about, like you know all the everything else, like the world building the the characters, I loved all that, but seeing them escape the warehouse, you know set charges, oh, we gotta go through the back, da da da, forget the box that all that I loved so much. I honestly, if like, if there, like, if there's more of that this series, you know, and a lot more of that, hopefully for me, I, I don't know how I'm not gonna like love this thing. I don't know wait, how I'm gonna not gonna love this thing.
3: Wait, none of us have actually said I think one of the most fire quotes when Luthen's like Rule number one, never carry anything you don't control.
2: Rule number two, mm. build your exit on the way in.
3: I'm like, oh god damn, like this that, is that,
2: so balls. That, scene. that come whole scene. Come on. When Cassian believes that he's going to make Luthen's blood pressure rise by holding a gun to his head, and it doesn't change him at all, he's just like talking to him very calmly. He's <laughs> like, "Blah blah blah." Steele's like, "I wanted to blah 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 whatever whatever." It's like, "Okay, I'm going to reach for this right here. Is it okay?" Like he's like, he knows he's done this so much. He knows that he has Cassian. He knows what this guy wants to do. He just has to show him that he wants to do it. Right. The entire action sequence there is amazing the use of explosions in this show. One thing that a great war movie does is put you in the chaos of combat and hit all of these great explosions and you feel like something's going to fall on your head. Stuff is falling fucking everywhere.
0: Those swinging engines from the swinging ceiling. Swinging
3: engines.
2: Or all yo, stuff. when
3: the car comes and like all the corporals are standing around and that shit fucking explodes. You're like, God
1: damn. Damn, uh, and they speed away. They had the smiles on them. They were like, Ah, oh, we got them. We did it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and get Ooh, shit. By the way, him. I'm interested in
2: seeing Luthen and Cassian. He's, it's a fucked up Obi-Wan and Luke. <laughs> it's like the same relationship. Yeah. Just no, no lightsabers. Come here, young man. Cassian's not the guy that wants to go to Tashi Station and buy some power converters. He's not somebody <laughs> that has been thinking all his life about fighting and flying in the rebellion he doesn't even fucking know what's going on he is about to be shown a different set of skills to become a different type of jedi not a jedi jedi but one of these fucking lowdown ass get the job done dirty motherfuckers that's what Cassian Andor is and you want to know what
0: his call to action was do you want to fight these
1: bastards for real? For
0: real. Like, that's, I, like, I, I screamed when that happened.
1: Eric Selvig not playing with these cats, bro. Yeah, okay, look, guys, look into the future. Do we feel like the
2: tone here of the show is going to carry on for the rest of the episode? The rest of the episodes, I feel like it will. But things are going to get a lot bigger here, just yeah. like I have over the course of the last two years. Things are going to get a lot bigger. So what do we see? Do we expect the stakes to continue to rise? We got nine more episodes. Like, is everything going to be like we saw for the first three? How can we adjust our expectations is what I'm asking. Because right now we're on a fucking high,
3: man. I, I honestly think that from everything that Gilroy has said, that what we're going to get in these episode chunks that, like, one, mostly one writer and one director do is, like, they're going to go into the, uh, into the rebellion. They're going to go into these things and really in the same way that it's, like, it opens up Cassian's world. All I want is, like, if they keep the tone, is I'm, like, just keep showing me sections of Star Wars in a new way. Like, I didn't know I wanted this show. Like, I think great creatives are, like, hey, you never asked for this but this is what you actually want. You never question this, but you actually should have been asking these questions. And as long as I keep like having that feeling, episode after episode, I'm gonna say it. I think Andor might want to be one of the best like TV shows, period of of the. Year. I, I I completely agree. I
0: I think that the biggest thing that Star Wars has been consumed with being, and what this show clearly is not, is about how big it is. It's the intimacy and it's the smallness of these characters and how intimate these stakes are and how only just a few people interacting with each other you learn so much about their story about like what it's like when they're just like arguing with somebody yet they're like still trying to cook dinner or something like that keeping that intimacy and that smallness is pretty much what i loved about these first 3 episodes and if that stays the same like you could you can have a you know a dog fight with a tie fighter or you could have a Big thing that can like end the three episode arc, but like if you if it's still about the people and if it's still about like those small intimate moments, then we've got like probably one of the best Star Wars things ever.
2: You keep saying small stakes, it's pretty big stakes. I don't mean when small stakes. Son I... <laughs> has been accused of murder. What's the biggest stakes? I mean, when, intimate when your boyfriend stakes. gets killed in front of you, those are big stakes. I agree with
3: Steve just in terms of like. So much of Star Wars is like, we're going to blow the planet up. Like, space Jesus, come save us. Like, no. Like, Cassian <laughs> killed, like, two cops. And now she's like, oh, okay. Like, I have to escape. Like, that is a very intimate stake relatable stakes. Star Wars. Yeah. Relatable. I mean, like, well, like, I, yeah. Stakes related, can be high,
1: but they're also, about. like, close to you. I mean, I agree with, you know, the, 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 the small stakes take. But at the same time, like, we're going to get Mon Mothma. Right? We're going to get Sagarera. Like, these aren't like the, the biggest hitters. You're not, they're not Skywalkers, but these are people that are extremely important to the rebellion. And that will build. Forward. Like,
0: Cassian's introduction into the rebellion and his importance in it will be growing and building as he becomes a bigger player in it. Like, that obviously makes sense. But, like, to make that a slow build. I mean,
1: I guess, I mean, 12 episodes is, you know, there's a lot, just a lot of space to cover.
2: I don't think that we'll see Darth Vader in this show. Oh, yeah, I don't think he'll oh, be. I don't think he'll be in not. season 2 baby. At some point you can't have a show about a rebellion against the empire and not I mean you could but
0: you could if any show's going to do it it might be this one. Question.
2: Will they even mention Darth Vader in here? Probably. Maybe.
1: I think like season 2 I feel like maybe they, this... they maybe
2: they won't say, even say his name. Maybe they'll
0: like refer to him in like some of these abstract terms. Like, like they won't heard, say the you... like the boss or like this some and so like they won't like they're not going to put his face on screen okay. at all.
2: Will Graham Will Graham Moff Tarkin be in the show? Uh, Do they have the money for too, that? I feel like that's too high up the chain right now.
1: They got the CJ budget. I thought She Hulk was still airing. Like you know that's true. Can She-Hulk they afford is good.
2: All right, um, that's a wrap. What a fantastic three episodes of television. Thursday Mid-Edition will be back to break down episode episode six of
1: She-Hulk. It's going to be great. Daredevil, you guys excited? How excited are you mid-boys about She-Hulk right now? I am enjoying it. It's fun television. So digestible, So much fun. I can't wait for episode six. Let's
0: get it. I got a feeling it's going to be great. It's going to be great.
1: Uh, This Sunday, Talk to Thrones is back again as Chris Ryan,
2: Mal and Joe. Chris Ryan, who loves Andor. Shout out to Chris Ryan told us to me and Charles he came out of his office at the ring of I
3: was comment. also
1: there
2: honestly Chris Ryan should get a medal cause he has been
3: on this wave he has paying the drum. shot and like honestly he hasn't been wrong he
2: hasn't been fucking wrong They're gonna give you their instant reactions to House of the Dragon right after the episode is done our producer is Steve <laughs> the Architect Almond Jomy, the explainer a dinner on is on <laughs> social hashtag Jomie
1: the Hut what does Woo! that mean what is that? <laughs> what does that mean? I Steve, step to the mic. What what is that? It's like you're the boss. You're the boss. You're oh, the Hutt.
2: You're the king of the Hut clan. I don't know about all that. You put you put ladies in skimpy outfits. I, well, I don't do that. Come I don't on, that. We we've heard stories, Jomi. Uh, you from who? heard stories. From me the Hut on social media, an additional production by Arjuna, the suit, Ronkapal. Take a second. The Corpos.
3: The Midnight Boys are back shout out to Tony Gilroy because Andor is cracked! <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Malin Joe, it's the house of R. Really, it's the horny house over there. <laughs> I like it. I I like listening to it. You know, like Sir Christian Cole, like I, I I'm watching the show and I'm like, oh shit, my sister's gonna go nuts over this nigga. <laughs> I'm like, I'm at him. I'm like, I'm like, they're not gonna, cause like, let me tell you something. You, sometimes we're, we're done with Andrew. I just say this real quick. I'm watching House of the Dragon, right? And uh brushing her teeth and she's walking by the door. And you know, Sir Christian Cole is up there and she goes, Oh. And I'm like, Yo. come on, man. You know? Wait,
3: also, because we're done. It's
2: cool. Get, but I waited
3: all we did good this episode on the diatrips. But like, I want to talk about the brothel real quick. You want to know why it's also fucked the police? Because rewatch the episode. They go into the brothel. The two cops are like yelling at the the white lady. They're like to come over here. And she's like, Would y'all fucking chill? And she's like, so and so will help you. And then I see who so and so is. It's a black sister. They're like, we don't want her. I'm like, dog, oh, you, no. you got racism in a
2: in a fucking galaxy far, far away, bro. The galaxy is racist, though.
1: <laughs> for sure, racist. The, the, the galaxy yeah. is
2: racist. They racist against aliens. Palpatine is a racist. He's a racist against aliens. That's why Thrawn did never strive. get to the yeah. yeah, like, yeah, he's a the the, the racist against look. we gonna we're gonna litigate this. We're gonna have a whole <laughs> fucking show about the racism in the galaxy. You yeah. know what I'm saying? man. Like a whole the show.
3: Chewie was the first motherfucker who like, they were just like, dog, you can't even get a medal. Like, can't just get be, a medal. Just That's be true. happy you up here, bro. Can't
1: That's get a tough. medal.
2: The rest of these, the rest of these and another motherfucker that was in the Millennium Falcon when they shot Darth Vader into Space right. Island, Like, she can't even get a medal. And that was Leia.
3: Even think about Mace Windu. Mace Windu was a boss before all that shit was popping off in Phantom Menace. And who gets the top the top gig Like it used to be Yoda and him They both were bosses Yoda gets mm-hmm. the whole shit Black man can't even be You know A boss in this galaxy so I can't okay. I can't come with you On that one
1: Why? <laughs> Why? You know You know how you feel About Yoda You I can't, know how you I feel About Yoda uh, yeah. I can't I, come nah, with here's you On the thing, that one If I'm gonna be honest
3: Mace wasn't wrong about a lot of shit like if Mace was, Mace was about, right
0: about Mace everything was
2: wait he wasn't wrong Mace was right about everything Mace is essentially my dad my dad would look at people and be like I'm telling you something ain't right something ain't right with that boy. Bring that boy don't bring that boy back to my house no more I seen that boy he looking crazy he got a look in his eye that boy can't come back in my house that's what he said about Skywalker Mace wanted to look at the Skywalker It's like alright now I'm gonna tell y'all y'all something wrong with y'all friend don't bring that boy back in me. And nobody wanted to listen. <laughs> Nigga said, hey, Skywalker, sit down. <laughs> you ain't No, <laughs> no
1: whatever.